Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon. We're joined on the star line by the obituary writer for the Chilkat Valley News. <laughs> what? You might be intrigued why. Well, she is also the best-selling author of four books, including her latest, Of Bears and Ballots. Heather Lindy, welcome. Thank you. It's nice to be here with you. Let's go beyond the mic. When you got your bachelor's in history at Middlebury College, what did you want to do with your life? Oh, I think at that point I was, you know, 21 years old. I just wanted to make sure I graduated from college and didn't embarrass my parents. I didn't think I was going to go off to Alaska, and I certainly didn't think I was going to be a writer. So, moving to Alaska, what was your expectations when you got there? Well, my husband and I, um, I met my husband at Middlebury, and then he went on and got a, a degree in forestry. He wanted to go where big trees were, so we got married in uh, 1982 and bought a pickup truck and drove across the country and came to Alaska, and, and it wasn't like we were going to move here. It just, I guess you could say I've just been on my honeymoon for 38 years. <laughs> In your book of Bears and Ballots, you weave a tale of small-town politics with humor and a little wink. When you decided to run for office, what was your thoughts on running for the town assembly? Well, you know, I think it was 2016, and there was, you know, the whole country was so politicized, and I'm a grandmother, I'm, I'm 61 now, and I just thought, well, I'm going to go in on the, you know, on the wave with the first woman president. And, you know, we all know how that went. <laughs> and so it's pretty much, you know, boom, right from the beginning, it, the, the, the whole tone was very different than what I had expected. And Haynes is a very, very politically active community. And that's a good thing. People are very involved. And we're also pretty equally divided right, left. And we're very isolated. Unlike maybe some places in the country, we all have to get along with each other regardless of our political stripes, because our kids all play on the same basketball team, and we all volunteer at the same rummage sale, you know, go to the same grocery store. We don't really have an option of only talking to people that agree with us. One of the things I liked about the book was the manager and committee reports before each chapter, giving us a glimpse into the city and a look at things that small town politicians have to deal with every single day. Right. And I think I love those. And I'm, thank you for noting them because, you know, the political turmoil that was sometimes happening in the assembly chambers or in the community or in my family or with my friends, because it all is woven in through the book. There were all these reports that happened every, every meeting. And you realize that life, at least in community life, was still going on. We were still buying a, another snowplow for the winter or taking the floats out of the harbor, and one of them might have been damaged, but don't worry, the harbor crew had fixed it, or there was a summer reading program at the library that had won an award, or the water from the water plant had been tested, and good news, it was safe. (laughs) You know, the things that people often don't realize that government is doing, and that's the kind of decisions that people make on a local level. It's not the big ones that you're asked about, the big ideological ones. It's things like, how much are we going to pay for the new sewer contract? Or what about the collective bargaining agreement? And, you know, should we have a little more sick leave or should it be called personal leave? These things are kind of boring, but they're also what makes a a community run and, and it affects people. And that's really what governing is about, and in the, in the long run, what, what politics are about. Now, you tried to shut down bars early in Haines, and that was like kicking a hornet's nest. 
<laughs> well, that, again, I've been working on an obituary for the paper, and I don't write all of them. The staff does some too, but I've just I've written probably 500 since 1997. But I was working on an obituary for a, a woman that hadn't lived in our town in a while, but was well known when she had. And I went, of course, to one of my best sources is uh, Christy, who owns the Pioneer Bar. Her father owned it before she did. And so I went and talked to Christy, and while we were talking about the woman who she remembered fondly, she said, hey, you know, I heard the other night that someone's talking about closing the bars at, you know, two in the morning instead of five in the morning, which is when they can close now. And, you know, what were they thinking? And then I said, well, Christy, that was me. And she was like, what? And she, what she explained to me was that, you know, my thought was what on earth can be going on in a bar in a small town in, in Alaska, you know, after two in the morning, that's any good at all. And maybe this is why our police costs were going up. And she said that, you know, it's better that these folks are in the bar at night than, than on the streets or maybe even perhaps at home, that at least they're safe and their families are safe because there's six or seven folks sitting at a bar stool till five in the morning. And it, it changed the way I thought about it. And I thought, well, maybe we don't need to go there right now then. Heather Lindy is the author of the book of Bears and Ballots. Going beyond the mic with me today, what was the lesson you learned from being part of small town politics? I think the biggest lesson is that you need to be civil, that that it really matters, that manners matter, that the way we talk to each other matters. I can tell you that when you're you're sitting on the other side of that counter that we call like the dais, you know, where the mayor is and the assembly is, and when people stand up and they call you an idiot or they shout at you or they, they say just because of, you know, the street you live on, you're one of those people, it's challenging to really listen to them. When people stand up and are thoughtful, even when you disagree with them, if they don't attack you personally, then, you know, you might even change your mind. Likewise, when we talk to people, you can't just assume that somebody who perhaps you've disagreed with on, you know, six or seven sort of fundamental issues when they stand up and they talk about where a, a drainage ditch ought to go, you might listen to them because they know a lot about dirt work, even if you disagree with them about the library hours, for instance. And I think that's a big one. I think the other thing is is that governing really is the art of compromise. It, it's not all or nothing. And and that has to happen over and over again. I mean, sure, there's big things that you that you don't, you know, things that are your core values that you're really not going to move on. But so much of what we do to keep a community running involves some form of compromise. And I don't think anybody ever running for office ever went on a campaign, you know, of I will compromise or, or even more, I will change my mind. They'd never get elected. And, and so I think sometimes that's the problem that campaigning is so different than governing. Now, how did your perspective of your town change from when you were running to actually being an elected official? I saw, I guess, running, I was I was pretty naive, you know. Even though I've lived in this town my whole adult life and I thought I knew everybody really well, I just, I thought it would be gentler. <laughs> and you just realize that, boy, the people who come to meetings and who are in many ways operating behind the scenes are pretty angry about some things and they're not real happy with the way the world is and and people are fearful, even in a small town. And 
I was surprised at the viciousness of it from people that I had assumed were, you know, yeah, I knew they disagreed with me politically. I knew they never going to vote for me. When I ran, I was very clear, you know, the things that were important to me or that I was you know, sort of progressive. I'm kind of liberal. I, I thought they, everybody knew that. It wasn't a big secret. But then when I got elected, the backlash was pretty uh, swift and pretty strong and, and very quick. And I think a lot of that came from some of the tone that was coming from the whole country. And it was a shock to me because, you know, in a small place where we, we own a lumber yard and a hardware store, I've got five kids, go to church on Sunday, um, I, I go moose hunting, I do a country show on the radio. I thought there was enough of kind of a crossover or relationships that that wouldn't happen. And it still happened. And it happened uh, mainly through closed a closed Facebook page called Rant and Rave. That was a surprise to me. When the special election to recall you from office came out, how much did that hurt you physically, emotionally, mentally? Oh, it was terrible. It was devastating for me. You know, my other books have all been, in some ways they've been called, you know, love letters to Haynes, Alaska. This one felt like I'd been cheated on, you know, the place that I loved and the people that I thought, you know, were my friends turned out maybe not to be so. But then, you know, writing the book really helped me understand. I did find, you know, what really mattered here, and it's still the same. You know, it's still my family. It's still uh, my friends, my neighbors, the beautiful environment. I kind of got over that once once it happened. I mean, I won't say over as it has changed, but like any anybody who reaches a certain age, you know, there's disappointments and there's sadness and there's a kind of a grief that comes with that, but there's also a resiliency that comes with surviving these things and still living in the place that you love. You know, this whole idea of like, love it or leave it, or some of those arguments that you hear, that just pains me because at least I am, I'm such a a person who's rooted to a place that I mean, where would I go, you know, or where would they go? And I think the, if there's a, a message at the end, you know, it's that, both the organizer of the recall and myself are still here and we're still living in the same town and we're, you know, guys buying his truck and I have to give a little wave and he has to acknowledge that I'm here and, and that's how it is. That's not a bad thing. I think that's the way we're going to get past all of this stuff right now is to make sure that we can try to live together in community without being so mean to each other and we can listen to other people's ideas without, you know, harming them <laughs> and, so, and there's plenty, and there's still funny stuff that happens. I mean, it just makes me, and, and uplifting things. I mean, the person who was in charge of the recall and I also are uh, friends with an elderly woman that we both are, she's alone in this world, a widow, and, and we're the ones who kind of take care of her. And it's really funny that, you know, he's coming up one driveway and I'm going down another one, or he'll stop by and leave her smoked salmon and then she'll give it to me and say, can you bring this home? I can't eat all this. And here we've got, you know, Big Don smoked salmon at our house. And I don't know if he knows that, but I think he probably does. And why is Haynes, Alaska such a special place to you? Because of the people who live here. It's because of the, I would even call it sort of old-fashioned values in a way. You know, we, we don't have any chain stores. We don't have a, a traffic light. We have one school. We all have to live together here because of the isolation, and we all ultimately need each other. And for me now, 
I have I have five grandchildren that live in Haynes, and two of my daughters live here, and two more are in, in Juneau, near, which is relatively nearby, a four-hour ferry ride. And I, I like the roots. I like knowing all the people that I've known here for that many years and feel like this is home. Time's running out, so it's time for the Rocky Nate. Eight rapid-fire random questions. Answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. There is no pressure. What's the name of the brand of your typewriter? Oh, I have an Olivetti uh, Latera 32. Which one of Robert's Rules of Order is your favorite? Uh, <laughs> a question of privilege. One thing that people don't know about Haynes, Alaska. That we've got more gravity here than almost any place in the world, and that compasses spin around because of an iron ore deposit. What are the names of your dogs? Uh, Trixie and Pearl. Last thing you sold personally from the lumberyard that you own? Um, paint. Who was the last person you hugged? My husband. Favorite color? Yellow. And the most uncomfortable thing you've ever done? Um, probably, you know, walking into a room full of people who I knew were not happy with me and voting in a way that would make them even more unhappy. Being on the pro assembly. <laughs> Her book of bears and ballots is out now and you have a love for local bookstores. Why? Yes, I do. And I think it's really important right now with um, all that's happening in the pandemic and with the economy to support your local businesses. So I encourage anyone who's picking up the book to, to buy it from a, a bookseller um, near them and um, help that family um, keep going during these times. Her typewriter is an Olivetti. She loves to take a personal privilege now and then, and her favorite color is yellow. Heather Lindy, author of Bears and Ballots, thank you for taking the time to chat with us today. Thank you for the very thoughtful interview. I enjoyed it thoroughly. And that, my friends, is Beyond the Mic.